This is Witness Radio with Ryan Muniak, where you learn biblical evangelism from real-life encounters. Hey there, welcome to Witness Radio, the show where you learn how to share your faith the right way, the biblical way, by listening to real-life witnessing encounters and hearing from experts in biblical evangelism. I'm your host, Ryan Muniak, and just so you know, you can leave feedback by calling 513-900-8070, or you can email us, find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, and our website is witnesstalkradio.org. And I also encourage you to subscribe to Witness Radio on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode is brought to you by Amazon. Okay, well, not really. But if you go to witnesstalkradio.org slash Amazon and buy stuff, you'll be supporting this show. So start getting your evangelism gear at witnesstalkradio.org slash Amazon today. All right, today I am with Todd Freakishly Tall Friel, who I just found out is not the tallest guest I've ever had on Witness Radio. He is the host of Wretched Radio, one of the guys that I looked to when I started Witness Radio, him and Ray Comfort. They they were my inspiration, aside from the Holy Spirit, of course. And Todd has been doing this far longer than I have, far longer than I have. And, well, let's just say his radio show is far better than mine, which is why he can charge for it. sounds you just made. What was that about? Uh, you obviously don't edit your show. <laughs> you you let uh, Adrian or someone else do it. No, we do it live. That's what you hear is what you get. <laughs> there you go. See, that's the difference is, is I'm pre-recorded because I know I need to edit. <laughs> I see. Uh, so that sound that I made is to mark where I need to screw, where I screwed up and need to edit that out. But now you can't. Now you have to leave it in. <laughs> now that you've said that's what you, you got to not do that. Just got to leave that in there. Uh, I suppose I'll, I'll leave that one in, but every from this point forward, any, any is an edit point. Okay, so now this is being edited because you just did the <laughs> thing. <laughs> All right. Well, th- this may be the first unedited episode of Witness Radio. Cool. So, Todd, very quickly, I'm sure everyone who listens to the show already knows who you are, but in case there's one person who has never heard of you, please tell people a little bit about you and how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, uh, that's the important part right there. I, uh, I I came to know the Lord when he revealed my sin to me, um, very powerfully and dramatically, and I realized um, just how wickedly rebellious I had been, how ungrateful. You know, that was maybe the most one of the most convicting things of all was my ingratitude when I realized God's kindness and what a jerk I had been. Not only a jerk, but also a self-righteous jerk. I actually studied to be a pastor, but I wasn't saved. But I actually thought God would take me to heaven because I was far more amazing than everybody else. All of these other dumb religious people were not nearly as smart as I was when it came to theology. So I wasn't even saved. I was studying about Jesus during the day, living like a devil at night, and then putting the mask of self-righteousness on it. Just wicked. And uh, he helped me understand that. And that's when he saved me. About three, three and a half weeks ago. (laughs) Give or take. (laughs) Edit that out. Now, you 
have been doing radio for a long time. You've got Wretched Radio, and you also have Wretched TV. When you first started in this realm, it wasn't Wretched Radio. It was actually part of the ministry that I work for, Living Waters. It was Way of the Master Radio. What was the point where you're like, you know, this needs to be its own separate entity? Because, I mean, both ministries are wonderful ministries that equip the, the saints for evangelism. So what was that point where you're like, you know, we need to part ways and, and both grow? Yeah, I think it's when we discovered Ray Comfort's a heretic, and we thought probably shouldn't keep going with him. That and it was just it was just an it was an entirely amicable agreement without getting into the rather mundane details of it. When we kind of, you know, parted company, if you will, and we really haven't because we do, you know, we do stuff together all the time. I love Ray. I love Easy. I love Mark. Oh, the whole gang. And we'll do anything we can together, anytime that we can together. And people would go, what happened? There has to be some sort of scandal. No, no scandal. It just made sense. That's all. It just, it made ministry sense for us to be doing. We were in Atlanta. They were in Los Angeles. Um, we were, to, we added TV and it was, and it was an entity that wasn't really, you know, owned by us. And it wasn't living waters that they, and so we, it, it just was like, guys, it seems that this is the way that it should be going. It was entirely amicable. Love them to death. So no scandal involved. Yeah. Right. And that, I know I've heard people ask about the, that and everything, There, if there was a scandal. And I'd never heard that there was a scandal or anything. But I was just wondering, you know, was there, was there, some point just in ministry in general where you're like, you know, we would probably do better ministry-wise, uh, administratively-wise, to become two ministries instead of trying to keep it all under one roof. Yeah, there was nothing theological about it. As much as this is distasteful, the reality is there's a lot of business that happens behind ministry scenes. You know, it's the stuff that we all have to do uh, every single day, and that's what it was. It was like okay, th this si this setup that we currently have just is not the wisest. It's not the best stewardship. Let's let's just and and so we just stop doing that together the way that we were. That that's that's really all there is to it. I mean, just nothing other than just made sense to be separate. That's all. Part of Witness Radio is to bring on experts in biblical evangelism, and Aside from what you may think, many consider you to be an expert in biblical evangelism. So why don't you give us some some tips or tidbits on biblical evangelism? What do you do when you're going out to share the gospel? Do you have any secrets, hints, expert points that you want to bring up to the audience? I've got this magic feather, and I'll... I mean, like, what, what do I some sort of pagan ritual thing. What do I do? Here's this this might be something that might help somebody is that I've tried to learn because I had to learn. I used to see evangelism as I've got to do this really well. Eternity depends on me and my performance and I want to make sure that I don't stumble. I better have an answer to every single question that they have. And while we want to study to know stuff cuz I think that you know plays a subservient role in evangelism. I want to stop looking at people like their hits, their targets, their quotas, they're the enemy. None of that. They are real human beings 
that grew up in a real family that have had real influences outside of the church, and they're just lost. So that instead of listening to them, actually, you know some of those people when you talk to them, you can just tell when you finally get a chance to talk, the only reason that they're just waiting, they're just waiting for you to finish so they can get back to talking. They're not really hearing you. I don't want to be that guy in evangelism. I actually want to care about the person, hear the person genuinely, and then share with them what I think is important as opposed to check, 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 next guy. Actually, something that I've done in my own evangelism endeavors out on the street is I'll let them share their beliefs with me and tell me all that they want to tell me because it's fascinating to hear what some of these people believe and you get to see a lot of the intricacies that you know the world religions and cults books don't tell you about and you take the time to share what you believe and they're a lot of times they're more willing to listen to you because you oh, took yeah. the time uh, you know what actually Vody Balcom he does expository apologetics uh, you know pretty much the same thing different you know take on it i'm not sure he stresses the use of the law and evangelism etc but step number one is listen just listen to people i remember i was i was on an airplane and uh talking to this guy and i, I was trying to help him see his need for a savior and at one point 30 45 minutes in i said i, I i'm trying to plead with you to persuade you and he went whoa whoa whoa, whoa what when he heard that I was trying to change his mind, it was so off-putting. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop wanting to change their mind, but when people sense you've got an agenda, I think that that's kind of a, that kind of stops the process that you want to engage in. And furthermore, not that this is some sort of stratego we're playing here, but I genuinely want these people to be won by the Lord. I don't want to put up any sort of stumbling block, and I do want to love them. And frequently, nobody's really ever listened to them. So I do want to hear. And the danger for those of us who study apologetics and who study witnessing is that, oh, yeah, 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 I, I've heard this. I know where you're going. I've done this a million times. I know where you're at with this. You know, and you, get, you don't say that, but you communicate that. we got to guard against that because I think they can see right through it. Very true. Do you have any other tips or points that you want to bring up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with, with that... Sometimes I'm mindful of how much time I have with somebody. So I, I, I think that I've got to get everything in before the plane lands or whatever. Okay, and you might want to try to do that. You might that I'm not saying this is a law, but at the same time, not you know, you're at the counter with somebody. You you can't have you ever told a lie, have you ever you can't do everything. All right, get you know, get as far as you can and if you have to leave it at that, it's okay to leave it at that. Try your best to accomplish a full gospel presentation, but do it in such a way where it's not canned, it's not rote, it's not forced, so that you actually seem like a human being who cares about them as opposed to somebody who has a patter to them. You know, okay, ring, your phone rings. Hello, Mr. Friel. I am calling today to discuss with you your need for Teflon pans. Do you realize that you know, how do you react to that? You're like, oh, quit reading the click. I think they feel the same way. We have to guard against that. that. That's a very good point. And just to follow up with what you said, people that are that you run out of time with and you don't share everything, that's an opportunity for, for follow-up. You know, get some business cards with, with your contact info or even a gospel tract, scribble your email on there. 
Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's, a, there's a young man, you, you could probably tell, I go to the gym and work out, and there, there's a young man who is there. Now, this was probably two years ago I saw him, and uh, I said, you know, hello, hello, young man. And he goes, I know you. He said, I've seen you at University of Georgia. And, and I'm pretty certain he was probably doing open-air preaching. And I said, oh, sweet, are you a Christian? I, you know what? I don't want just inst- I don't want any of that stuff. Just shut down, right? So now, over the course of two years, I bump into this kid on occasion, right? Now, what if, what if I did not ever witness to this kid directly? Could God be using me in this kid's life? Now, let's not whiplash here and say that the goal is an evangelism. I'm not suggesting that, but... The other day I'm at the gym. Now, remember, this has been going on for two years. This kid sees me, and he just darts in the opposite direction. Doesn't want anything to do with me because he knows what I'm all about. Just a couple of days ago, we bumped into each other, and he had to talk to me. And he was, it was pleasant enough, right? And in my brain, I said, door's open. Let's go. But is it possible that I could just be kind to him, nice to him? He knows where I'm coming from. And... That's the only thing that happens. Now, the re- so all of this is running through my brain. I'm talking to the kid, and I'm going, okay, I've got a chance to witness to this kid because I'm leaving this gym because our family is moving, and I'm not going to be going to this gym, so I better get everything. Okay, that's running through my brain. The other thought is it is possible. I could just be nice to the guy, pleasant, not weird, and just so that if nothing else, his, his, now his takeaway is, well, that guy isn't really so bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, did I evangelize him? No, I didn't. Is that the goal? Absolutely it is. But maybe, just maybe, God uses that when the next person witnesses to him. He doesn't automatically assume we're just these flame-throwing, geeky, weird Christian people. I share that not because my kindness is evangelism, but my point is we've got to be nice to these people. We've got to be engaging to these people. And if I can't get in a whole witness encounter... That doesn't mean God can't use it. Now, again, I want to stress this because if you're thinking, well, he's getting kind of soft or kind of squishy, I'm not saying that. I'm suggesting that as we go about our day and bumping into people, we try to be mindful that it is just as important, I think, to be loving, genuine, thoughtful, interested, as it is perhaps to say what we need to say to them. It's truth in love. We need both of those. If they're just getting truth and they don't sense love from us, then I think we've failed. That's my point. A long rambling point, so you can edit that if you want to. No, that that is a very good point. To what, what, other, what do you think of my triceps now? Because I've been, been really working. Never mind. On that point, I think we'll change the subject. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're listening to Witness? Video. Did you know that Amazon has a ton of witnessing tools? From amps to stools, from books to t-shirts, pretty much everything you need to share the gospel can be found right there. Maybe you want a drone for dropping tracks over North Korea. Amazon's got you covered. And now, you can support this show when you shop by going to witnesstalkradio.org slash Amazon. I mean, you already shop there, but now your purchase has extra value at witnesstalkradio.org slash 
Amazon. You know you should read your Bible every day, but things just seem to get in the way. How would you like it if someone else did the reading for you? Bible 365 is a new podcast that reads your daily dose of scripture for you. There's no annoying chapter breaks to distract you or personal commentary to confuse you. Just listen to God's Word on Bible 365 and you'll get through the whole Bible in one year. Go to muniacfamily.com slash Bible365 or find Bible365 on your favorite podcast app. You have some new resources that are out at uh, Wretched TV, Wretched.TV, the store. You're better at shilling your product than I am. One of those resources is called Untethered, which is you going out onto the college campus, witnessing to college students, which is something that the listener hears me do on a regular basis because I, I go and minister at the University of Cincinnati all the time. What benefit would it be for someone to get untethered or what are some of the experiences that people will see watching untethered well first question what's the benefit of getting untethered i put 24.99 straight into my pocket so that's a good benefit what will they get from it uh i think that they're if nothing else they're going to see um shocking footage that it's not just pagan kids who are influenced by postmodernism. it's christian kids yeah i believe in jesus but you don't have to. We're both good to go. I wouldn't want to impose my values on them. So postmodernism has infected Christianity. That's that's the first thing that I think you're going to see. And then the second thing that I think is important is um, we cannot outwit or reason these kids into the kingdom. First of all, they're not dummies. But more than that, they don't understand or discern spiritual things. They need the law. They need the gospel. And it's not just the kids on the university campuses. It's our own children. 60 to 80% of evangelical kids leave the home, go to university, and notoriously backslide. We know that means they never slid forward in the first place. But a staggering number of kids are being lost. I don't think we're evangelizing our own children correctly. So this it's kind of an expose, kind of shocking. What? That's what the kids are thinking? That's what Christian kids are thinking? Now the question is, what do we do? How do we respond to these kids? How do we reach these kids? So that's what Untethered is about. Would you say that there's any one particular encounter on the DVD that really struck you in the heart, like one that you still today are thinking about? Well, you know, I remember all of the kids on that, maybe because I've you know seen their faces in editing and what have you, but uh, there, were, there were two boys that I remember talking to <clears throat> at Clemson University because we talked to, I think, 36 different kids on the university campus. And I went to Clemson, and they, they didn't know why we were there. So I would just grab a kid, and they didn't know who we were, so they didn't know Christian or not. They just wanted to be on TV or were willing to be interviewed. So I said to this young man, tell me, now, there is a debate raging these days on the subject of marriage. What is marriage? What is it? And the kid goes, well, in Genesis chapter 3, what? He quoted the Bible. and I, So he answered the question uh, that marriage is a covenant relationship between one man and one woman. And uh, also, according to Ephesians 5, it also is a picture of Jesus and the church. So it's really a picture of the gospel. Huh? Is that right? Tell me. Uh, why do we have borders? He goes, well, if you go back to the book of Genesis again, and there were two young men who did that, who answered basically in the same way. They weren't sheepish about it. They were, they didn't couch anything. They didn't act all, well, you know, I, this, I just happen to believe the Bible, but their answers were informed by scripture. Two 
out of 36. That's an astronomical number. I'm used to zero out of 100. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, no. It, but even so, two out of 36. Um, I mean, okay, you're in Cincinnati. So you're in Paganland. I'm in the Bible Belt. So two out of 36 kids had the Bible informing their worldview? That's just That's just so frightening to me. So I remember those two guys because they actually answered the way a Christian should. That Those were the two most remarkable ones. And they're both on the DVD? I think so. Yeah, I, I think so, simply because we wanted to demonstrate, look, a kid can know this stuff. This is how a child, sorry, how a young person should answer these questions. How do your kids talk? If they had a microphone shoved into their face, what would they say? Mom and Dad, we need to be indoctrinating our children in the Bible and explaining why the world operates. Uh, the next the next booklet, uh, I wrote a book, and I've decided to like edit it down to less than 10,000 words to answer the question, why? Right? Why do we exist? Why are we here? What do we do? All of the why questions. Why do we live? Why do we die? Why do we laugh? Why are we in relationships? Why do we have borders? Why do we have languages? Why does the world operate the way that it does? And this isn't just to be used as an evangelistic tool to give to unbelievers. Our, our professing Christian kids have no idea. The Bible is what they were taught in Sunday school, maybe a little bit in youth group, after the pizza, and before the whipped cream games. But they have no idea that the Bible actually has something to do with reality. And that's what we need to be teaching our kids. I found two out of 36. That's that's 5% we're talking about, 5%. And in the Bible Belt, it's like 90% profess to be a Christian. Why could I only find 5% who actually talk like a Christian? But And, and most of the Christian kids that I talk to are thoroughly infected with postmodernism. But they don't. They don't have clue one. It's. It's so. You. You know this. Hey, young man. Tell me the gospel, huh? Young lady. You said you went to church. What's the gospel? Matthew, Mark, Luke. They don't know the very basics. I'm telling you. You know what? Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the church. It, it was some mega church. I can't. Oh, I know. Sorry, I won't name Andy Stanley's name. Some guy that uh, is doing some stuff at our house because I have no skills, and. Uh, he goes, hey, your wife told me that you're like, do Christian radio or something. That's really cool. And I said, you know, there, there's the door kicked open. Cool. Where do you go to church? I go to Andy's church, man. It's incredible. Yeah. In fact, I listen to his sermons when I'm driving around. Cool. Then you can tell me what the gospel is. The what? The gospel. Huh? The gospel. He goes to Andy Stanley's church every week and listens to his sermons in his earbuds, and he doesn't know the basics of the faith. Don't be deceived. We have got silly centers packed with people who do not have the first clue about Christianity. And i got to tell you, to those guys who aren't preaching the gospel, woo, I would not want to stand before God and explain to him, well, you know, we didn't want people to, like, you know, like be turned off by you and think that you're, like, all, you know, like judgmental and stuff. And we wanted them to think you're cool, so we wanted to couch the news about your son and, you know, kind of get it to him later. I wouldn't want to be one of those pastors. I hope that one day my children will be able to give those answers and be saved because uh, they might be able to give the answers and not be saved. I wouldn't want that. Right, right. But speaking of children, young people, you have another resource that we just gave away four copies of thanks to Matt Master Book. <laughs> it's called Reset for Parents. Now, you're... You're a gospel guy. You're an evangelism guy. You know, when I look at parenting conferences across the 
globe, I don't see you headlining parenting conferences. So why did you write a book about parenting? Well, the first reason that I'm not invited to the parenting conferences is because Ted Tripp gets all of those gigs. (laughs) But uh, actually Untethered and this book Reset for Parents happened together. Because, you know, I've been going out to the campuses for years, and I just, my every time I come home, my wife would say, what did they ask? She, she, I want, she always wants to know, what did, what did they say? And my answer is usually the same thing. Same old, same old, same old, same old. And it's true. It really is the same old, same old. So when I would ask kids who went to church as a child but no longer professed to be a Christian, why? What happened? What was the big reason? And regularly, you know, science and evolution and what have you. But if you listen, why it, you know, what happened at home? What happened in church? And so I started to compile all of these reasons. And I went, okay, we need to address those. Because if those are the constant complaints the kids have, what they saw in the church, what they saw in the home, then I want to make sure I'm not doing those things. And so it turned into this book, Reset for Parents. It's, it's, yeah, it's a parenting book, but it's really an evangelism book for parents to evangelize their children. The number one complaint that I heard from kids basically was they thought their parents were hypocrites. They thought they thought that their parents were phonies. So drill down on that. There are plenty of decent Christian parents who are, you know, they're raise, raising their kids and they're doing well, but they never showed their kids the gospel. And so that's what Reset for Parents is about, how to show and live out the gospel so that your children will love Jesus because they watch you, they listen to you, they understand you, and they see that you have been affected by the gospel. So Reset for Parents is to encourage Christian parents to reset by stopping your focus on behavioral modification and start focusing on incorporating the law and the gospel into your parenting. So Untethered and Reset go together. Reset isn't really a parenting book. It's an evangelism book. And I'm sure a set copy is available at wretched.tv. Wretchedradio.com. Please get it straight. You guys don't use the wretched.tv? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the one I always remember. But anyway, so Reset for Parents, it's really an evangelism book. Now, for someone like me that's listening to this and they say, oh, it's just an evangelism book. Well, I know about evangelism, so I don't need that resource. Why would someone like me need to get this book, need to read this book? Yeah, because we, 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 and I've done it a million times. For somebody who goes, I don't need a parenting or an evangelism book for my kids, then let me ask everybody, when was the last time you apologized to your children for sinning against them? Most of us don't do that. I have the spiritual gift of pointing out the sins in my child's life. I tend to be blinded to my own. And the last thing I want to do as a parent who wants to be an authority is humble myself and say, Honey, I'm sorry, your dad just sinned against you. Will you forgive me? Now, that alone, if you're not doing that regularly, you're either not mindful of your own sinfulness or you're not applying what you claim has saved and changed your life to your family. It's not living its way out. The individual who understands that they're the worst sinner in the house will be regularly asking spouse and children for forgiveness because they no longer see them as the problem. They see themselves as the problem. And this goes back to the earlier point of why I wrote this book, because we see so many kids who have never had a Christian parent who has said, I'm sorry, honey, I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? 
And when they never do that, it tells the child this whole thing they profess to believe in hasn't changed them an iota. So this entire book is about resetting my thinking to living out and absolutely demonstrating that my faith has changed me. Most kids never see that. We all need these reminders. By the way, because this, for those people who are evangelistic wonks, one of the chapters, actually several chapters are about presenting the gospel right. And right now everybody's going, I know how to do that. A lot of the proud grace to the humble. But there, it's so easy to biff it on this. Here's, here's how you can goof up law preaching, okay? Clean your room. Do the dishes. Quit talking like that. Be nice to your sister. That's terrible law preaching. That is absolutely ironclad law that you're laying down. And I'm not suggesting that you don't give those rules. But if you don't give those rules with the correct motivation, you're training your child to be a legalist. They think that Christianity is all about behavior. It is. There's sanctification. But we should do these things for a reason. And so the Christian parent who isn't explaining, honey, this is why we keep our room clean. This is why we don't beat up our little sister. This is why we do our homework. This is why you jump in and help out in the family. And explain it theologically. You're just teaching your child to be a moralist. They think that it's nothing but do, do, do. Now, there are do's in Christianity, but it should be explained in light of this is why we do it. And so if you don't preface your parenting with, we do this because this is what God says, you become the supreme authority in your child's life, and I guarantee it, if you are not backing up your clean the room, brush your teeth, be nice to your sister with, this is what God says, when they leave home, when they go to the university, when you're not there to enforce your rules, I guarantee you, they will show up in untethered too. So then what you're saying is, because I said so, is not a good reason no. for the rule. No, look, you have that authority. But to whom do I want my children to bow? When it's do as your dad says, especially with a thunderous voice, I can drop it and get very forceful with it, I'll get compliance. But then when I'm gone, they just wait for me to leave the room, and then they're back at it again. Jeez, now I've got to go back and be even louder and yell. Look, you have that authority, but it's been granted to you by God. Here's a line that will help all of us. We want our children to obey us as they submit to God, not us. We parents saying, this is what God says, honey. This isn't what dad says. This is what God says. This is the same God that I have to submit to. Make God the supreme authority in your child's life. That way, when they run to university, when you're not around looking to make sure that they're doing everything right, they still know that God is on his throne and he who made the eye also sees. And he is the one with whom I must do. And he will be the one who curbs their behavior because they're motivated to be pleasing to him and not simply being obedient to me. The children of Lima, Peru face many difficulties. Hunger, neglect, abuse, and most importantly, a lack of the gospel. Heart of Christ Ministry seeks to bring the gospel and to fulfill the other needs of the children please consider partnering with us. You can sponsor a child for just $25 a month, and there are many other ways to help. Please visit hofcm.org. 
Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. You're listening to Women's Radio. Do you perfectly do everything that you tell others to do in the book? Because everyone is going to think that you do. They always do with the experts. Yes, I do. And now I have to ask, have you ever told a lie, Todd? (laughs) (laughs) None of us should think that about anybody. I don't know if you've heard this rumor, Um, John MacArthur. He's sinned before. It's true. I'm just saying. No, of course I haven't. That's that. That's not what this is. These these are not parental pontifications. I'm not do as I say. I've blown this a million times. Look, it's easy to parent like a behavioral modifier. That's easy business. Hard parenting is Deuteronomy six. When you're walking along the way, when you're waking up, when you're lying down, that's how we parent. And by the way, it's interesting. We've only got two commands for parents in the entire Bible. Do you know that? Two commands for a monstrous task. Teach your kids about Jesus, train them up in the way that they should go, or repeat it in Ephesians chapter 6, raise them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That's commandment number one. The second one is don't make your kids bonkers. Don't, 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 don't make them angry. Don't irritate your children. That's it. I've irritated my kids a million times, and there are so many subtle ways we can do this. I mean, it's, okay, here's here's how you can irritate, irritate your child. And there's a chapter on this, by the way, because I made a list for myself. Because in my self-righteous, deceived thinking, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. And so there was, a, there was a chapter about irritating your children because I was struck, wow, there's only two commandments for parents, and this is a big deal. And one of them is don't make your child angry. Are there any ways that I've made my child angry? And because I don't, I'm not a yeller, I, I don't know that I've ever yelled at my kids. So I thought, I don't make them angry. <laughs> so I opened up a tablet and started writing them down. There are a million ways I have annoyed my children, starting with, Clean your plate. How does that irritate my children? Because I don't clean mine. Or eat that, but I don't make the things that I don't like to eat. I mean, that's a small little thing, but they, it's like, well, why do you get to choose and you force me to do it? There's a, I, I'm answering your question, do I ever fail in this regard? A million times in a million ways. Or I'll just fire off a quick, hey, I told you to go clean your room. Now let's get on it. Now look, I'm not saying that every encounter with your kid is a three-point alliterated sermon. But if we are not regularly using the Bible to support our parenting, how we want them to act, then then we're just being, frankly, bullies. And I've been a bully. I have made them angry. I've been arrogant. I won't say that I'm sorry. And that's just four of the chapters. I've failed on all of them. And that, and that might be a good closing note for us, too. Here's the reality, Mom and Dad. We all fail our kids. We all sin against our kids. And there's a lot of parents, then, who have children who aren't believers today, and they think it's because of their sin. And that's wrong. We don't get our kids saved. We don't keep our kids. And we don't get them glorified. Now, if you sinned as a parent, you should repent to your child and to God. Know that you're forgiven. But if they are saved, it's not because of your behavior. 
God saves. Your job is faithfulness. If you've been less than faithful like me, tell your children, even if they're in their 40s, I'm sorry I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? Because we've all sinned against our kids. You don't get them saved. God does. So don't beat yourself up over the lack of salvation in your child. You can take yourself off of the hook that God doesn't have you on. Well, Todd, I want to thank you for being my guest on Witness Radio. Is there anything, final thoughts, anything you want to share briefly before we close? And that can be found at wretchedradio.com. <laughs> and thank you for listening to Witness Radio. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go share it with somebody so that they can be equipped and encouraged. And now it's time for you to go. That is to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. May God bless you. This show has been a production of the Muniac family. Please pray for us as we continue to minister in the tri-state area and around the globe with Christ-centered programs.